Here's a quiz question for you guys. If there's two things that Judaism does to build a community, what do you think they are? If I narrowed it down to two things, what builds a Jewish community? Oh, go on. Keeping Shabbat. Anyone else agree? Jack answer. That's so. That's cheating. (laughs) Anyone else agree? Are you talking about like a specific structure in the community, like physically? What builds a Jewish community? If you don't have these two things in your Jewish community, it's not really a Jewish community. Sure. What are those is two things? What brings Jews? Let, let's say this Rabbi again. Rabbi Jack and Torah. The Jews keep Shabbat. What? Rabbi Jack Shabbat. and Torah. Oh, it's the opposite. Shabbat and food. Shabbat and food. Shabbat food. Okay, go on. Is one of them a mikvah? A, a mikvah? Oh. Isn't that one of the things that you need? I could be well, wrong. Yeah, I mean, if you want to have the community functioning in a halachic form, then you need a mikvah. But, you know, I'm not, when I stand, stand on a campus, I'm not going to say, no, right. but it's just, just, just to introduce somebody to Judaism, you know, I, oh. I'm not going to say, hey, guys, <laughs> why don't you check out this mikvah? Right. right. So they'll say, uh, what do I have to do? I say, you know, you've got to <laughs> take your clothes off and get in there. They'll run away. You cult. You strange one. So, uh, Dan's favorite. But, but I was just joking. Moyal, Moyal, not sponsor. And Moyal. What? What happened? So, so you tell me. Shabbat is one of them. What else do you think is Torah one of study. the keys? What? Torah study. Torah study keeps us together. That's what it says. En umatenu uma Our nation is only a nation. Because of the Torah. That's why we bagel each other. You know what bageling is? It's when you find a Jew that, uh, you know, it's, it's when somebody doesn't really look Jewish, but they feel this urge to say something Jewish to someone else who's Jewish. So, uh, like I'm buying in the store and I'm about to buy in Ralph's something random, but because I look very Jewish, the person in front of me is like, Great prices on the matzah, by the way. And I'm like, oh, they're giving it away. They felt their need, the urge to share their views on their Jewish uh, things so that they can, what we call, uh, bagel with me. So the reason why people bagel, they feel identified with Judaism is because of our Torah study, our, our Torah, the values that we stand by. And there's something else. There's something else that a kehillah needs. Kehillah is the word for a community. Can we say keeping Shabbat? Yeah, we said Shabbat. Thank you, Niusha. That's right. Charity. Giving. So I'm going to tell you what this week's Torah portion is called. Okay, this week's Torah portion is called Vayakhel. And guess where that comes from? Which word does that come from? Kehillah. It literally comes from Keilah. Vayakel Moshe. Moshe gathered. Keilah means to gather. Gather people from a community. And the word today for community is Keilah from this word. Vayakel Moshe. Moses gets all the people together and he says to them, these are the things that Hashem uh, commands you to do. These are the things that Hashem commands you to do. What, What are they? Shabbat is the first. Six days you should do work. 
And on the seventh day, it has to be a holy day where you keep Shabbat for God. And anyone who does a melacha or transgresses Shabbat is um, doing a very severe transgression, which is worthy of the death penalty, even though it was very hard to enforce. But just to understand how important Shabbat was. So Moses gathers the people to teach them about Shabbat. Don't light fire. Keep Shabbat properly. And then he says one more thing. Everyone give a donation. So Becca got, got that one right again. Everyone give a donation in order to build the temple, the synagogue. But everyone had to take part in giving a donation into building the temple. If everyone didn't give the donation, it wouldn't have been a community as much. But it's because everyone was taking part in something. That they felt, okay, this is mine, so now I'm building the community. So there's two things. One is Shabbat, and that's definitely been my go-to thing for getting people involved in Judaism, is Shabbat. And the second is a house, a place. And this is called under the world Kehillah, Kahal, building a community. It's very interesting. Our rabbis teach us that the Kehillah that Moshe brought the Jewish people for this week to build the temple is fixing another type of kehillah that we learned about last week. There was another type of community, but it wasn't a community. It was bad community. There's bad community and there's good community. And the bad community that was last week was when they did the sin of the golden calf. I'm not going to get into the depths of the story here, but this is, the, this is what happened. The people see that Moshe wasn't coming down. He was meant to come down after 40 days and they all gathered against Aharon. But this time it says Vayikahel, not Vayakhel, Vayikahel, which means it was passive. They happened to gather together, each person on their own. It wasn't that they were gathering together for each other. They were gathering together for themselves because they didn't feel good enough right now. So they said, let's all get together and build this uh, uh, golden calf. So Vayikahel, is the type of keilah that's bad, and that's passive. And I want to talk about that for a few seconds, because there's different types of keilah. There's a keilah where everyone's building something together, the building themselves, and then there's a keilah where everyone's destroying. And the way you build yourself first is Shabbat. And that's why the Torah tells me, Shabbat comes first. Where did we learn about building a temple? From Shabbat. You can't, Build a temple during Shabbat, the Torah says. You can't go to synagogue in a car, break Shabbat to do something Jewish, the Torah says. First things first is yourself. Build yourself. And that's what we do on Shabbat. And by the way, you want to know how we build a Jewish community? Shabbat observance. Because as long as there's no Shabbat observance, you're not going to have a community. You might have a nice big temple, a big synagogue. But each person could live an hour away. If I'm not keeping Shabbat, look, I keep Shabbat. When I move into a community, the first question I'm going to ask is, well, how far distance is my house from the shul? If it's a two-hour walk from the shul, I'm not going to move there. So that's why only in the observant communities do you have everybody living, living together. It's like Pico Robertson comes to the hub or La Brea area comes like the Jewish hub. The reason for that is solely because everyone that moves here is 
religious and they say to them, what does it mean that they're religious? They're observant with Shabbat. So they're saying, basically what they're saying is, I want to move into this area and I want to make sure that I'm not a driving distance from where I need to move. I, 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 the first thing I look for is how far of a walk am I from my synagogue? Builds community. So just on a philosophical, not even from a religious level, when you have Shabbat observance, you build a community. And Shabbat comes before synagogue. People don't know this. You might say, oh, you know, I'm at least I'm going to shul, so I may as well drive to Shabbat. No, the Torah tells me here, your peace of not being on your phone, your peace of not being in your car, your peace of not being on electronics is more important than shul. Much more important. Don't go to any shul, but stay at home and do Shabbat properly. That's more valuable than anything else. So there's good community and there's bad community. The bad community is passive. What's, I'll give you an example. Jewish dancing versus club dancing. What's Jewish dancing? Do you want to know? No Daniel, one is dancing alone. Go on, Daniel. What are you going to say? I was going Sorry. to say it's a mechitza, but maybe I'm wrong. Well, that's of course, there's a, good, there's a good point that you're saying, right? Where no one's there to gain from someone else. I'm not here to just have benefit from someone else. I'm here to actually be there for the situation. But outside of the modesty of Jewish dancing, there's something else about Jewish dancing. You want to know? It's arm in arm. You'll never see a rabbi getting into the middle of a wedding and dancing on his own, you know, maybe for a few seconds with everyone around and he's doing it in front of the chatan, yes, but it's not for himself. The difference between Jewish dancing and club dancing is club dancing, I'm all on my own. I'm on my own. I'm here for myself. Let me find this girl. I'm going to do my dance and show my thing. So I can get this person for me. And I hope no one else gets that person for me. I'm, I'm literally focused on my own self. But when it comes to Jewish dance, it's not like that at all. Actually, it's not a dance if we're not arm in arm. Jewish dancing is arm in arm. That's called kehila, a dance that's constructive. As opposed to a dance where everyone's there for themselves. I'm not here to bash um, different lifestyles. I'm just saying a reality that there's within our community, there's a kihilat, there's, there's crowds, and then there's community. This is the language of Rabbi Sachs, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, of great memory. Let me give you another example. Social media. Mark Zuckerberg, Mark Zuckerberg originally built Facebook to do what? Bring the world closer together. That's his language. In 2017, what did he say? He said that social media can contribute to divisiveness and isolation. Why? Because as long as it's not lifting each other up, it's not a kahila. If I'm posting and everyone else is posting to tell their story only, not necessarily to be there for someone else, but only to gain likes for myself, then everyone's in the community for me. So who's in the community for someone else? 
Not always. Sometimes social media can be used for that reason. But most of the time, social media is used so I can promote myself. Even the language of the promotion, right? The ones that the, the posts that get the most likes are the ones that tell a great story of my vulnerability and my of my failings, shortcomings, and how I started at so low, and look how great I became. I made $2 million in this amount of time. Now, like me, it's really about me glorifying myself. I'm not here for you. I'm here for me. My post was for me. And the more likes I get, the happier I get. Meaning, I want people to like me. Not necessarily, I want to like everybody else. So, that's Again, social media can be used in a good way, but most of the time it's lots of people together, but they're all alone. Okay, they're not dancing with arm in arm, where everyone's here to promote somebody else. It's everyone's here. I'm not always, again, I'm not bashing it completely, but I'm just saying this is how much even Mark Zuckerberg came to the realization that social media can contribute to divisiveness and isolation. A Torah study hall is a place where it's loud, not quiet. Interesting. You've got hundreds of books and everyone's studying, but there's a lot of noise. Why? Because I'm here to talk. I don't know if you've ever been into a Jewish study hall, but it's not, it's not like a quiet library where everyone's just absorbing as much information as they could for themselves. It's about a place where everyone can give over information to everybody else. So... There's two types of kihila. There's a kihila, which is a community where everyone's contributing to build something. And then there's a kihila where everyone's coming to be there for their own self completely. Now, I granted that whenever we do things, we always have ourselves in mind, that's for sure. But there's always a self in mind, but there's a self which is only for my own personal gain and without any thought of anybody else. And then there's a promotion which is for my gain and for everybody else's gain. And that's the type of kihilau that we want. There's a post that goes on social media can actually make me depressed. Why? Because it shows me how bad my life is in comparison to everybody else's. That's exactly the vision that we get. So a lot of times... Promoting oneself actually causes uh, a lot of jealousy and, and a feeling of, for the other person, of, oh, why am I not there? Why am I not like this person? Why am I not in this person's shoes? And that's a painful uh, experience. Good for the person that's posting it, but painful for the one that's reading it. So those are the two things, community and Shabbat that we need in order to build a community. And I'm talking about a community, even within our own homes, is a community. You tell me. How would you want? Here's another quiz question. What would you want your children to do on a Friday night? Everyone alone on their phones, again, watching their favorite shows and all on their TVs, all in the same house, in their own rooms. Or finally, once a week, everyone coming down, sitting on a table, looking at each other and singing the song of Shalom Aleichem. 
Shalom Aleichem. Right? What's better? You tell me. How do you want your children one day to be? And if you tell me that you want your children to have Shalom Aleichem in their lives, then they're not going to do it unless you have Shalom Aleichem in your life. Because then you're just pushing your children to do something that you yourself don't do. Not going to work. You have to do it in order for your children to do it. So here's the question. What do you want? Do you want Shalom Aleichem on a Friday night? Or do you want another night when finally our family gets together? Because during the week, there's just rush. Everyone's going to school. I tell you, I have kids, right? Everyone's running to school. Rush, rush, rush. Morning, work. Dun, bum, boom, bam. Finally, you get to the end of the week you're with your family. What's better? Shalom Aleichem, where everyone's singing together on a table and there's food. We're finally looking at each other and the phones are put away. The TV's put away. The news is away. The TV shows are away. Netflix is away. And we're just looking at each other because we're here for each other. Versus taking out my phone again and being addicted again to my environment. Being a slave again to my society. By the way, Shabbat, it says... Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. Keep Shabbat. You were slaves in Egypt. Why? Because when you don't keep Shabbat, you're a slave to your physical work during the week. You can be a slave. And Shabbat is a time to show that I am not a slave to anything. Here's another thought. Shabbat over time makes more sense. This is crazy. But you would think that as time progressed, technology advanced. And Shabbat means less because, you know, uh, we're doing less. Back in the day, if I wanted to cook a meal, I had to chop down some wood. I had to put it in a fire. I had to heat up my... That was a tremendous amount of work in order to do anything. Wash my clothes. Today, everything's done for me. You can get a smart app, right? A smart app. And it would, uh, you know, many washing machines... Because we're moving, so we're looking at washing. All different devices. Everything is smart now. Smart washing machine, smart fridge, smart this, smart that. How dare you even press a button with your washing machine? No. It has to be smart where you can control it from your phone. Right? All this stuff is starting to make my head hurt. They asked when we were busy fixing the lights, maybe do you want smart lights? I said, no, no, no smart lights. Leave me. Let me just press a button. And not have it with my phone. I want to just press the original way with just like pressing a button and the light goes on. It's quicker. I'm telling you. What's quicker? Pressing three buttons on your phone or one button on the wall which will turn your lights on. I don't need any smart devices in terms of getting my basic living, right? Don't call call me old-fashioned. But I just know that too much smart makes my head hurt. It makes my head hurt. So Shabbat actually makes more sense in time. This is, this is so godly. Because when you look back in time, you say, okay, back then Shabbat made sense. Today, why would Shabbat make sense? How would they know that over time, there's going to be a phone that comes out. There's going to be email that comes out. There's going to be smart fridges, smart everything. And eventually everyone's head is just going to explode. Social media, Twitter. And they thought there's no more social media. Who came to the point where they said, okay, there can't be another social media. There just can't be. And then they came up with Clubhouse. What's going to be next year's social media? I I just don't get it. 
there's no end. And they're all popular. This is mind-blowing to me. They're still they're popular as well. Three years ago, Twitter was like a joke. Everyone was saying, or even after three years, eight years ago, Twitter was a joke. Like, come on, Twitter. Right? Facebook's the thing. That's it. Then Instagram. Then this. Then that. No, because Instagram's only pictures and Facebook's too much of this. Then TikTok. The, the, the social media is growing and the platforms are growing. And we're all being addicted to it. So how can a, a Torah, which says to me thousands of years ago, keep Shabbat and properly, not the fake way, because that's when you'll really have Shabbat. How could it have known about social media thousands of years ahead of time? And as time progresses, Shabbat gets more and more clear that the need for it is so important. It blows my mind. Shabbat is called Me'en Olam Habat. It's like the world to come. Why? That's what it's called. It's like Me'en Olam Habat, to taste. If anyone asks me, what's it like in the world to come? I'll say, I don't know. I'm alive right now. I don't know. But if you want a taste of it, do Shabbat. Do you know why? Because on Shabbat, we stop creating. So we're just with me and whatever I, I have. There's no more pursuing. That's exactly what a body's like when it's finished, when it's passed away. And there's just the soul. There's no more creating. There's no more eating. There's no more. Well, eating, it happens on Shabbat. That's why it's like the world to come. But there's no more creating during, the, during Shabbat. So the experience of Shabbat is a small taste of the world to come. Anyone want to feel a bit of heaven and earth? Heaven and earth is Shabbat. It's a taste of heaven and earth. Here's a great quote that I heard from Anthony Gordon. He says, at the end of the day, the person that wins the rat race is still a rat. You heard that? At the end of the day, the person that wins the rat race is still a rat. Running, running, whoever wins it, who's going to get more millions, more billions? At the end of the day, whoever wins that rat race is still running like a rat and still is a rat. So, Shabbat is the time where we can actually prove that I don't need to be a rat. I can actually be outside of the rat race. I'm not in the rat race. Yes, I need to work in order to survive and that's part of God's plan and it's important for me. But I also, as much as that, I also need to acknowledge that I'm not a rat. And by doing that Shabbat, I'm leaving my slavery of Egypt. I'm literally leaving my slavery. So where's the problem? Why is Shabbat so hard? I'll tell you why Shabbat's so hard. Because people choose to focus on what Shabbat's restricting me with as, to as opposed to focusing on what Shabbat is giving me. So here's, here's the way that you need to consider or look at Shabbat. Stop thinking about all the restrictions because they're there for you to have something. And think of it like this. You're exchanging the pleasures that you can have during the week with a pleasure that you can't have during the week, right? Shabbat is about exchanging pleasures. On, during the week, I have the pleasure of being able to create and build and succeed and build a business and make money. That's a pleasure in itself and it gives me a sense of responsibility. It's important to do it. But by holding away from that, I'm now gaining another pleasure that I couldn't have got during the week. And that's the recognition of one's real self. So one of the ways to succeed on Shabbat is to focus on it with what it's giving me and not what it's taking away from me. 
So what builds a community? What builds a kehillah? A kehillah is built when we're here for each other. I'm not here just for myself in this situation. I'm here actually to build. And I could be here to building myself as well. That's okay. There's a difference between individuality and individualism. Individuality is where I actually care. If I don't care about myself, who will? I need to care about myself. That's something which is important. But if it comes only me, then what am I at the end of the day? If it's just for me, if my life is just about me, then what am I at the end of the day? I'm just part of the rat race. That's the words of Hillel. So I have to be in a place where I am looking after myself, but also with a greater goal of looking out for my kehila, for my community. So I need, in order to build a community, I need to have a partnership with the community in building a synagogue, a communi- communal place, and also a communal place in everybody's home. And that's the two things that we learned in this week that really built a kehila. Kila was only said now when the temple was built, when everyone donated, when everyone came together to build the Kila. All the miracles that happened of leaving Egypt, the splitting of the sea, that all the miracles of the things that happened beforehand, that didn't get the word Kila. Finally, at this moment, we get the real understanding of Kila when they had Shabbat and they also had a place where they contributed towards and building that synagogue that they can all go to as well. Those are the two things that we need in order to have a kehillah. I want to move on to, anyone got a thought on that, by the way? Any thoughts, ideas, or anything you want to throw in about anything I said so far about Shabbat or the beauty of Shabbat, Shabbat observance? Yeah, I, I really Please. love the thing. It's not focusing on what we're giving away or what we're losing during Shabbat, but what we're gaining during Shabbat. And I think we gain a lot of time to think and to reflect on the week. And as you said, to spend time with family. And I think that's so important. I, I, you know, I don't, I don't follow Shabbat to a T, but I have because of Aishlet, I think more, um, recognize the importance of valuing Shabbat and really taking it as a time to, spend time with the people that I love and care about. And, you know, I make challah now because, because of, I think basically because of Aishlet too, just starting Shabbat, even just the beginning before Shabbat, turning that into a ritual and a practice and taking that time to reflect. So I think it's beautiful what you said about really using Shabbat wisely and not focusing on our phones and all the electronics that we're always bombarded with. Beautiful. And you know what? One day we can grow towards observing Shabbat fully. And I'll tell you that you see um, in your own children, the fault, you see the faults and the dangers within your own children more. You know, as you grow up and, you know, you, see, you watch your children grow up with you and you say, oh, my gosh, I don't want my kid to have that. I don't want my kid to do that. I don't want my kid to do the things I did or the things I failed in. And we start strengthening our own way of living because of how we see those faults. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're made bigger. They're, they're, they're shown, they're magnified right in front of me by me watching my children as a child. You know, there's a certain immaturity. So you're watching that immaturity and you're seeing the dangers of it. You know, the, the dangers of addiction and the dangers 
it's so clear in your face that you say to yourself, I'm not, I, I need to strengthen my own self. I've learned so much from my own children um, in, in this regard as well. And even in the regard of Shabbat, I'll tell you. Even though I've always kept Shabbat my whole entire life, my appreciation for it has grown over the years as well. I'm talking now with tremendous appreciation for Shabbat. I didn't have it as much as... I, I, back in the... I didn't have such an appreciation for it as I do today. No way. But it's something which I've grown over time through watching my own children and seeing how important it has been to see that they have it and how dangerous it is if they don't. So I want to actually move on to another idea, and this is mind-blowing, so stay with me. Literally mind-blowing, because it's about wisdom. So, when it came to building the temple, the Torah constantly said this language, okay? It calls the people that built the temple, it calls them chacham, lev, wise, hearted, wise in the heart. This is the language. Anyone with a wise heart amongst you will come and build this Mishkan. Mishkan. They'll build the temp- tabernacle, the tents, the covers, the beams. Right? It's, it's all of its pillars, sockets. And again, later on, it says again, And also every woman that was wise-hearted would weave... Um, I think that's the right word, with her hands, and they would bring the curtains, the coverings for the tabernacle. Again, the language of wise-hearted. A strange word. You don't really say wise-hearted, but we see in the Torah, when it talks about someone who's wise, it says the language of someone who's wise-hearted. And the question is, what does that mean? What does it mean to be wise-hearted? And with that, I will finish off because it's really beautiful stuff. Okay, so this is, this is what it means. I'm going to bring you a Talmud in Brachot 17a. And these are the words of what it really means to be wise according to Judaism. You know, we, we think of wise as someone who has a lot of knowledge, but it's not enough. You need to be knowledgeable, but wise also in your heart. So this is the language of the Talmud in Brachot, in the tractate of Brachot. 17a. Margalea Bepumei de Rava. Rava was one of the greatest Amoraim, one of the greatest rabbis of the Talmud, and he said it was constantly said in his mouth. Tachlit Chochmah. The goal of wisdom, meaning what is wisdom? The goal of it is to have Teshuvah and Masim Tovim. Teshuvah means repentance, where someone returns to his past and goes again, repeats and, and improves his past. He failed. He comes back to his same situation. And ma'asim tovim is action, where someone doesn't just have the knowledge, but also brings the knowledge into action. And this is mainly spiritually, but it could be translated in all aspects of life. Somebody who's wise is not somebody who has knowledge in Judaism. And he gives an example. You can never have somebody who reads and is knowledgeable and studies all the time, but at the same time, shouts and screams at his father and his mother. 
or his teacher. Somebody who has tremendous wisdom can't be somebody who also goes to his parents and starts shouting at them. Can't be somebody who screams at his teachers. Or to tell off or to speak up in front of somebody who has much more wisdom and age. Chokhmah is wisdom. Minyan is age. Much more wisdom and age than you. Who are you to speak up just like that in front of somebody who's 90 years old, live a lifetime of understanding? As it says, Reshit Chokhmah Yirat Adonai Sechel Tov Lechol Osehem. The beginning or the start, the initial power of wisdom is the fear of God. Sechel Tov is intellectual, intellect, good intellect, Lechol Osehem for all those that do. They're all those that do. What does it mean that do? They do it for the right reasons. So here is the two keys or the two things that you need in order to really be considered as somebody who's wise according to Judaism. And without it, there's no wisdom at all. And by the way, we've seen it throughout history. Throughout history, we've had very wise people or what we would think are wise, knowledgeable but they did some of the worst things in the world with that knowledge. So what use was their knowledge? None. A computer has tremendous knowledge, but it's still not wisdom. What is wisdom? A whole new definition of wisdom. Wisdom, according to Judaism, is someone who has two things. Teshuvah, meaning he never gives up, always comes back and always returns. And Maasim Tovim is somebody who brings his ideas into action. Teshuvah and Maasim Tovim. Let me talk about Teshuvah. Never giving up. Give, right? Somebody who knows about an idea, but is not consistent with the idea, that's somebody who's not a, not a Chochmat Lev. He has a great idea, a great thought, but he's not consistent daily working on this thought, on making it happen. That's not Chochmat Lev. Could be very wise, right? What was the, think about all the people that succeeded both physically and spiritually. Thomas Edison is always the, the, the example that I always give. He, right? he was the one that created the light bulb. So they asked him, how did it feel to fail over a thousand times? He said, I didn't fail a thousand times. The light bulb was an invention with 1,000 steps. It was a thousand steps towards me making the light bulb. I never failed a thousand times. So wisdom is somebody who's consistent. Not only does he know that this is what I need to do, but he's going to keep pushing, keep pushing. That's wise-hearted. You bring your emotions correctly into the situation and you say to yourself, I'm not going to give up because, yes, I failed this time, but it's a step towards my making myself successful. Those that are, may have the knowledge, but then they give up all the time. So they're in and out of different jobs. They go to one job, out, another job, this job, that. There's no backbone. They, eventually, you look back on their life, you say, wow, this person was intellectually stable. He, he had a lot of knowledge, but never did anything with it. Why? Because there was no correct emotion. There was no chokhmat lev, wise-hearted. This, this example is given by thousands. Winston Churchill, he couldn't speak to the age of four. You know that? And he... He was considered as a failure in all areas. 
But eventually he became the prime minister of England, right? And his motto was never give in, never give in, never, never, never. In nothing, this is his language, quote, in nothing, great or small, large or petty, never give in except to convictions of honor and good sense. Never, 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 never give up. This was his language. And same spiritually. I say this all the time. A righteous person falls and falls and falls and gets up again. Look at it like the development of a child. How does a child develop? There's many things that we can learn from a child, but one of them is how they develop, right? Subconsciously, how they walk. They walk, they fall. And they don't say, oh, I give up. I would give up, but they fall and they get up. And the mom comes from the side, come on, let's get up again. They try and they keep trying. I have um, a a five-month-old baby. Every day he's lifting her head up like this, trying to sit up, trying to sit up. I'm looking at him like, there's no way she's ever going to sit up based on... Every day she's going like this, trying to sit up. But she'll make it eventually. Subconsciously, in the physical world, that's how we work. We don't give up. Does anyone here remember when they were a little baby? Not really, but somehow you're walking today, right? We don't, we don't remember the details of what it was like, how things looked when we were baby, how we started to walk. But somehow everyone here knows how to walk because naturally our bodies are made to constantly not give up in terms of physical progression and growth. And the same is how we need to be as well with um, our physical, our spiritual growth as well, not to give up. So a chokham, a chokham, chokhmah is wisdom, is knowledge, but it also means chokhmat lev. God says, I need someone who's wise heart, not just someone who knows stuff. I need someone who knows, but also knows how to apply his emotions correctly. And the second is a chokhmat lev is somebody with ma'asim tovim in good action. Because wisdom with no action is nothing at all. For example, if you take flour alone, does it taste good? Flour, you know, F-L-O-U-R. Taste it. Does it have a good taste? Put it in your mouth. It doesn't have any taste. Take a bit of yeast. Take a spoon of yeast, put it in your mouth. Does it taste good? Has no taste. Oil. Put that in your mouth. Will it taste a spoon of oil? A spoon of sugar is a bit too sweet. And a spoon of salt is also too salty. But when you put them together, any of those ingredients in itself, something that's absolutely bad? No. But it's when you put them together that you create the most beautiful bread, smelling so good that the whole neighborhood can smell it, right? So it's not good enough to have the ingredients in your brain. Right? That's not chokhmah, according to Judaism. Chokhmah is to take all the things you have and apply them. That's called chokhmat lev, where you're able to bring in your emotions correctly again, to keep doing it, keep consistent, but also putting it into action as well. That's ma'asim tovim. And this is what it means in Pirkei Avot. If you look at Pirkei Avot, it's Ethics of Our Fathers. It's a book of all different ethics and statements, real wisdom. It's unbelievable. We have to study it. At some point, we should do a study on Pirkei Avot. It's really amazing. 
at all of the world's wisdom and psychologies in that book. It's really incredible. And they have some Pukavot, anyone who wants, I can give you with English and real good commentary. If you want one free, let me know after and I'll give you one. So Pukavot is a book of ethics. And before every quote, it says, Hu Haya Omer. Hu Haya Omer. Hillel. Hu Haya Omer. Rabbi Shimon. Hu Haya Omer. He was say. It doesn't say Hu Amal or Hu Omer. He said. It says he was say. It's grammatically weird. It's like poetic, but what's going on here? Hu Haya Omer. He was say, and then it would say his quote. He was say, and then say the quote. What does it mean, he was say? Because before he said it, he was. It was something that he did in action, and then he said it. It wasn't just that he said this great idea. There's many, Be slow, be deliberate in judgment. It's one of the quotes of Pukamba. Don't just judge quickly. Every time you do something, be deliberate. Wait, you walk into a house, you see an argument, don't quickly jump. That's your emotions. Wait. Be slow to judge. That's one of the rules of Pukavot. The people that taught it, they were that value before they said it. What does that mean? That they were action. They, put, they didn't just have the wisdom in their brain. Because a computer has a wisdom in its brain as well. Google has the wisdom in its brain. Would you say that Google is smart? Would you say that Google is wise? It's not a human being. Wisdom is when I have the knowledge and I apply it. I'd much rather be with a low IQ and with a lot of application than to be somebody with a lot of IQ but never doing anything. Because someone with a lower IQ, that's why we need to never undermine the value of people, even if they are not as smart. We think, oh, he's not as smart. He's never going to succeed, right? Growing up in school, there was like these predicted kids. That kid is going to be the super kid of the whole school, right? Everyone has this, right? Growing up, there was a kid in your class that was super smart, knew the answers to everything. And you look back and you say to yourself, wow, they didn't actually succeed that much. Why? Because they, weren't, they may have been chokhmah, they may have been given all the knowledge, but when it came to real wisdom from the Jewish definition, they didn't have chokhmat halev. They didn't have the ability to apply it in the right way in action and both to be consistent. So it's not good enough. Right? For instance, marriage or a relationship. Getting into a relationship takes a certain skill. You have to act well. You have to look well. You have to be cool, socially cool, get get to know what to say, when to say, right? Like we said before, someone, someone was take, right? it's not socially cool when you take your fork and you poke it into your date's plate and you take the food from them. Like, oh, what did you get? Let me try it, right? That's not cool. You don't do that on a date. So to date takes a certain social understanding, social wisdom. You have to act a certain way, look a certain way, do you have it, whatever it is. So you have to look, you have to be on your best performance. So, Getting into the relationship takes a, a knowledge, it takes a skill, it takes a wisdom. But staying in the relationship, that's, that's where real wisdom applies. Right? Staying in the relationship long term 
That's where real wisdom applies. And this is, this is what it says. Reshit yirat Hashem. The beginning of wisdom is fear of Hashem. What does it mean, fear of Hashem? Fear of Hashem is where you have awe. Not, there's two types of fear in Judaism. People mistaken, get, make a great mistake for the, the definition of fear. There's two words for, def, for fear. There's yirat haromemut, fear of the greatness, which is awe, and yirat haonesh, or fear of punishment, fear of consequence. We don't want fear of consequence. We want fear of greatness, awe. When I think of myself on a map, you take a map of LA and you say, okay, what this, if this was a thousand times smaller than the real picture, right? It's, or 10,000 times smaller than the real picture of the size of LA and it's put into one size of a piece of paper, put into one paper. If I want to pinpoint my street, it, even a dot wouldn't, would be too much to pinpoint my street. Because based on the size of the map, my street is so small. I could just about say, to put myself on the map is impossible. The map is too, too, too small of a scale to put me on it. It's impossible. Now let's imagine putting that map, that's LA. Let's imagine me on the whole, a map of the entire United States on one paper. And let's put my little town LA in that picture. Tiny little dot makes just LA. Try and fit me in there? It's never going to happen. Take the entire globe on a piece of paper and try and put just where I live on the paper. You can never do it. Because when you look at the entire globe, me compared to the picture of the entire globe, it's tiny. It can't even fit on that picture. Now try and figure and understand the entire universe, the entire Milky Way. And how small I am in comparison to that entire Milky Way. Can you, can you understand that we are so minute and small? It's like looking at an ant. You look at an ant, you think, okay, this thing is tiny. What is it already? But that's really how small we are physically. Spiritually, we're, we're huge. But physically, we're so small. When we recognize how small we are and vast the universe is, and that there's a creator of this entire universe, we're filled with awe. That's what awe is. So when Reshit Chochmayirat Hashem, the beginning of wisdom is fear of Hashem, is having the right proportions, the right emotions, understanding that my life is so small in comparison to this entire world, and I need to be putting my wisdom into the right places, putting, getting action because life is so short and recognizing the value of my actions. That's, that's where the beginning of wisdom is, is putting my emotions in the right place. So this is what happened also with Moshe himself, Moses himself. It's told that when they built the tabernacle, Moses was very upset. He was very, very upset that he wasn't involved in the actual building itself. And eventually God says, okay, don't worry. You're going to be building it. At the end, you'll be putting everything together. And the obvious question is, why was Moses upset? He's like the leader of the Jewish people. Hello, can you not leave it to somebody else? The answer is because he wanted to do it in action himself. He wanted to be the one, not just the one that's behind it, 
but the one that does action. Because Judaism really believes in action, not just getting things done. It's actually me being the one that's doing it. That's real wisdom. Here, let me give you an example. If you want your business to succeed after it grows, is, okay, now I've built my business and I've become successful. And now I have all these people working for me. But unless I'm actually still involved somewhat, partaking in the business, making sure that I'm doing the work myself as well, the business will never be the same. I have to be myself somewhat involved. And it's the same like that with Judaism as well. I can't just have the idea. I can't just be the mastermind. I need to also be the creator myself. That's why it says that when it comes to marriage, it's true that if I want, I can use a messenger. I don't know if you know this, but you can actually use a messenger to get married. So if let's say you're stuck in, um, the U- in Israel and you can't get out because of COVID and you want to get married to so-and-so who's living in America, you can actually, according to Jewish law, do it via a messenger. Send the messenger to that person and say, hey, Will you marry, behold, you are betrothed to this and this person who's living in Israel? And their marriage works. see them first. Valid. Sorry? But you must, but you have to see them first, like by Jewish right. law. So that's why the Talmud says it's much better that you do the marriage first. You do the marriage, not use a messenger. When it says in the Talmud that it says that you can make it could be a woman can be married, betrothed to you, either by you directly or with your messenger. And the Talmud asks, if already you can do it with a messenger, of course, you could do it yourself. It's not even a question. Right? That's the question of the Talmud. So the Talmud says it's better that you do it first. Always. Whenever it comes to things in life, better that you do the action than rely on somebody else to do it. Because not only... Is it more productive, but also it builds you. It, it shows that I'm actually involved. There's times where, let's say, people have all the money in the world. And they decide to have a maid to look after their kids, grow up their kids, bathe their kids, uh, feed their kids, be there with their kids. But eventually, the kids don't have a mom and dad. I have a friend who told me that. His, he, he didn't, his mom... His mom was his maid. She did everything for him. Took him home, drove him home from school, looked after him when he was at home. At some point, he didn't, he didn't really have a relationship with his parents. So sometimes, even if you have the ability to do it through somebody else, it's better to do it yourself because mitzvah bought your tebbi It says that when it came to preparing for Shabbat in the Talmud, there were many different rabbis who were the greatest of the greats. They had thousands of people meeting them every day. And on Friday, they would stop. They'd go and chop down some wood to get ready for Shabbat because they wanted to do it themselves. They, some of them were very wealthy. They had other people that could have done it for them. They said, no, 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 I want to prepare for Shabbat. Even if someone else, one rabbi would, would salt the, the, the fish. Another would clean up his home, even though he had many, many people working for him. 
Yeah, he said, I want to do it myself. Why? Because when a person does the action, his personality is actually changed through the action. Shabbat is appreciated when you put in your effort to Shabbat yourself. And that's the message here. A chacham lev, God says, wait, if we're going to build a tabernacle, it's a spiritual place, I need someone who knows how to build it, who's wise, but also wise-hearted, who knows how to put his, understands the small actions, understands right, put, to put emotions into his wisdom and get the actions done as well. Understand the power of his action and see the, 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 the strength of his actions, not just, um, just have the knowledge, because knowledge alone is nothing. And that's really the idea. And also, this is actually also shown in many areas of life, but you know, we don't have that much time, don't have much time at all, but this is mainly shown with doing things for other people, which goes back to the idea of community. When it comes to building a community, in Hebrew, it's called zikoi harabim, doing things for the public. When you elevate somebody else, you elevate yourself. It says by God, he's magbiya shefalim. God lifts up those that are low. Magbiya shefalim. He brings up those that are very low. And mashpil game, those that are proud, think they're better than everyone else. Eventually, God brings them down. So as much as God lifts up those that are low, we want to do the same thing. The minute that we help others, we lift ourselves up as well. When someone doesn't feel good with himself, one of the things that he could do is invest in giving back to the community so he himself lifts himself up as well. The Chovat HaLevavot says that one of the things that really makes a person grow is it's a, one of the greatest investments for a person is to giving to the community. Because when you invest in giving, you get so much more in return. That's what a chacham lev also. What's a chacham lev? He says to himself, wait a second, right? It's the wise hearted. Again, putting not just the knowledge, but the right, the right emotions into his knowledge. There's some people that say to himself, me, who am I to, to help somebody? Who am I, little me, to give to somebody else? Who am I to teach somebody else? Who am I to inspire somebody else? I used to think that about myself before I started doing my work. Then through the work, I realized, wow, I can actually inspire people. But many times a person says, wait a second, I know some Judaism, but I don't know much. Yeah, but th whatever you know, you can teach. If you know Aleph, teach Aleph. If you know Bet, you could teach Bet. And every single person has a different flavor to them. So one of the things about helping others is it helps you recognize that you actually have value. When you raise others, you raise yourself as well. And that's also a Chacham Lev. A Chacham Lev says to himself, okay, it's true. I don't know all knowledge, but I'm going to bring my emotions correctly right now. And I'm going to say to myself, it's true, I don't know everything. But the, the bit that I do know can help people tremendously. The small bits that I do know can actually help and be a tremendous resource for those that don't know it. That's called a chacham lev, where he understands his position. He understands where he's holding, but also understands how much more he could be doing with what he has already. So 
Um, those are the ideas that I wanted to share with you. Two, two basic ideas here. One is what a kahal, what a kahila is. A kahila is a community. And it's something which we build through constructing, building, not through everyone there for themselves, where it's just a crowd of people, where everyone's in there for themselves. And the best example I gave is of Jewish dancing, where everyone's holding each other's arms and dancing because we're not here to get something from someone. We're here to just be there for everyone. And um, the other thing we said about community is Shabbat, because Shabbat really does build our own little communities in our homes. And then we spoke about the idea of um, chokhmah. Wisdom, according to Judaism, is not just knowledge. It's somebody who's a chacham lev, wise-hearted. I know the information, but I'm also able to apply the information as well. And how do I do that? In two ways. One is, lev is the emotions, right? So I'm able to apply the emotions into my wisdom. One is to never give up, to be consistent. And that takes a tremendous amount of emotion, as well as the knowledge, to constantly be consistent. And the second idea of Chacham Lev is someone who has Ma'asim Tovim, who actually brings his wisdom into action. And spiritually, this obviously is talking about doing mitzvot and doing teshuvah, which is becoming a better person, never stopping and becoming a better person. So a righteous person has two aspects to him, which makes him wise. One is that he keeps going, keeps going, keeps going. Oh, I fell. Okay, tomorrow. I didn't do Shabbat this week. Okay, I'll try a bit more next week. Keeps going, keeps going, never gives up. And also, someone who has Ma'asim Tovim doesn't just talk the fluff, but also brings it into action as well. So those are the ideas that I wanted to share with you.